is episode number 185 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Everybody, welcome back to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. This is our final session of the Presentation Skills Masterclass that we started a few months ago. In this final session, I'm going to cover how to lead question and answer sessions so that you remain in control of the presentation and also maintain your credibility on the topic that you're presenting about. Uh, by the way, I created a free downloadable guide for you. Just go to fearlesspresentations.com slash audio dash guide. So it's fearlesspresentations.com slash audio dash guide, uh, and you can access that. It's, it's free. Um, I also mentioned last week that we posted all of our 2022 public speaking classes on our website at fearlesspresentations.com. We still have a few classes left in 2021. Classes that we have coming up in the last couple of months of the, of the year are gonna be in Washington, DC, Houston, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, Phoenix, Charlotte, Tampa, and Las Vegas. And then in January, we start back with our regular schedule, just like it was pre-COVID. Uh, for tickets, all you gotta do is just go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's podcast. So one of the most challenging types of impromptu speaking situations can be the Q&A sessions, the question and answer periods at the end of a presentation. But these situations are also places where we as speakers can really shine. We can also gain tremendous credibility with our audience during these sessions as well. By the way, if you use the processes and the techniques that I've kind of shared with you in this recording, you'll establish solid trust and solid rapport with your audience throughout the presentation. So the questions you get from your audience will usually be fairly cordial and actually fairly easy to answer. But before we get into the, the tips on handling these sessions better though, let's first talk about when speakers should allow and in some cases even encourage questions. So one of the things to keep in mind is that if somebody in your audience is confused and has a question, it is much better for everyone if the speaker can clear up that confusion right away. If your speech is 30 minutes long and people in your audience have some confusion five minutes into the speech, you don't want to have them wait until the end of the speech to ask their question because that's going to cause them to be confused for 25 of the 30 minutes. On the other hand, if you encourage questions throughout the presentation, you clear up confusion right away. This makes the rest of the presentation more clear and easier to understand. So having a standard question and answer session at the conclusion of your presentation is a pretty outdated concept. It's also a big mistake for meeting organizers. We don't encourage that at all. For instance, if the Q&A session is on the agenda, then audience members will see it on the agenda and then think, well, I can't ask, ask any questions during the presentation. So a better alternative is to encourage your audience to ask questions during your speech. Early in your presentation, you could just say something like, hey, by the way, if, you, if I say something confusing or if you have a question, just ask. 
And a simple statement like that will give the audience permission to interact with you as the speaker as well. One of the things that I tend to do early in my speeches is ask the audience an opinion asking question. This is one of the things that we talked about in the previous session. And if you do that really early in the speech, the entire audience kind of sees that it's okay now to speak up during the presentation. So as a speaker, your goal is to create a communication with the audience. So dialogues typically work much better than a boring monologue. So with all that being said, you still may want to leave a little bit of time at the end of your speech for questions, you know, just in case something comes up. So these are a few simple things that you can do to ensure that you remain in control during the question and answer sessions. And these tips will also kind of stave off a lot of the negative questions as well. So number one is you wanna limit the time for questions. Keep, keep that time period very, very short. Two or three minutes is usually plenty of time to ask a, a few questions and to field a few questions. You might say something like, you know, I believe I have about two minutes left for questions. Who's got the first question? That is a really simple way to start the Q&A session. Number two, you wanna specifically ask for a single question. Most people start the question and answer session with any questions or does anybody have a question about the topic? So these session starters though, they, they cause the audience to give the easiest answer to that question, which is nope. <laughs> so instead, one of the things that you might try is ask for a single question. So who has the first question or who has a question about this topic? By asking the who question, it will actually give you a better response because the most common answer to that question is, oh, I do, you know, it's me. I'm the person who has, the, has that question. Tip number three is you might have to prime the pump if needed. Many times, you know, people will be intimidated about asking that first question. So you may have to do what I call prime the pump with something like, you know, a question I'm often asked is, and then ask the question yourself and then answer the question as if someone in the audience had actually asked that question. Um, most of the time, audience members may be too nervous to be the first one to kind of speak up, but they'll be more than happy to be the second <laughs> to ask the second question. It's a, it, it's a little trick, but it does let them off the hook. And typically you'll get some pretty good re results by uh, using that little trick at the very beginning of your session. Number four is you, you might want to raise your hand as you ask for questions. When you raise your hand above your head, this gets the audience's attention, and often certain members of the audience will kind of raise their hands immediately when you do that. This little tip may help avoid a long pause before the first question is asked. Number five, you may want to repeat the question for the audience, especially in a bigger room. The bigger the room is, the less likely everyone in the audience will have heard the entire question that was, that was asked. So it's a good idea, especially if you're using a microphone, to repeat that question. This activity, it does a couple of things for you, by the way. First, by repeating the question, especially when you're using that microphone, you let the entire audience hear the entire question. By the way, this is vital when recording your presentation. And then the second thing it does is it gives you a few seconds to think of a response. So it gives you a little bit of time so you're not putting yourself under a lot of pressure. And then tip number six, after a question or two, ask for a final question. So a great way to do this is to say something like, I've got time for one final question. Who has the final question? Make sure and stay within the time frame of the initial time period that you gave the audience for questions. 
The key is to have the audience members still wanting to ask additional questions at the end of the stated time period, because chances are they'll seek you out after the meeting and nothing increases the confidence of a speaker more than having a, a group of people searching the speaker out at the end of the talk and just to get additional information from you. So what happens if you get an adversarial question? It does happen from time to time. You may come across somebody in your audience who will either purposefully try to trip you up or who may just be having a bad day and wants to take it out on you. In those situations, you have to always remember that you are in control of the speech. You're in control of the talk. No one can embarrass you unless you relinquish some of that control. So human reaction is to respond in kind to a threatening or adversarial behavior from others. But in public speaking, a negative reaction can practically eliminate all of that trust and all of that rapport that you built through the entire presentation. So step one is to stay calm and look for opportunities to create a more positive outcome. If the question asked is truly something that would be either inappropriate to respond to or might cause you or your company in some embarrassment, then one of the things that you can do is actually change the question. Just because somebody asks you a question a certain way, that doesn't mean that you have to answer the exact question that was asked. And as we repeat the question back, we can alter the question somewhat. Not entirely, but somewhat. Change it around a little bit to an easier question to answer. And then if necessary, you can use a bridge that can help you bridge to something that's a little different. So here's an example of what one of these would sound like. Let's say that somebody asks a question like, I heard that your company missed a project deadline recently and had to pay a bunch of money in liquidated damages. Is that true? So that's a yes or no question. And if you answer yes, that is true, then you've confirmed that the rumor is true as well. If you just answer the question, no, that isn't exactly what happened. Now you may be opening up a whole can of worms as well. So all of the follow-up questions from that point on after you respond either yes or no are going to be about the rumor. <laughs> so that is not something that you want to do. So you may want to change the question around a little bit. A different way to respond would be to say something like, it sounds like you're asking about our schedule guarantee. And if that's the case, then yes, we are one of the few companies who guarantee to our customers that their projects will be completed within the negotiated schedule. We don't want our customers to have to be penalized for a project delay. You know, for instance, a few months ago, a huge ice storm hit the Midwest, and this caused a one-week delay in getting materials to a certain project that we were working on. However, our team worked with the trucking company to add an additional driver to each truck. This cut the delay time basically in half. And in that instance, we did miss the project deadline, but we mitigated the delay and then also paid the customer for the inconvenience. And that's exactly why you want to work with a firm like ours, because many of our competitors would just give the customer excuses. Our team gave them solutions. So as you can see, by using this technique, you can turn a negative question into a positive response. So a good tip to use in conjunction with this approach, by the way, is that when you repeat the question, look at another member of the audience. Don't look directly at the person who asked the negative question. Instead, what you want to do is after the person asked the question, kind of turn away from them somewhat, look at somebody else in the audience and answer the question to that person. Because if you make eye contact again with the person who asked the question before another question is asked, then chances are 
the person will ask a follow-up question. And after the next question is asked, though, most of the time that person's going to lose interest. So what happens if you're doing a question and answer session and you're trying to sell your audience, you're trying to persuade? Well, as you become better and better at, at, at speaking in front of a group, then what will typically happen is a lot of civic associations, trade associations, they're going to ask you to speak to their members. And one of the quickest ways to ensure that you are not asked back to speak to that group again is to or overtly try to sell your product or your service during those presentations. However, the question and answer session is a great time to promote yourself. So as you begin to wrap up your answer, you might add a little plug for yourself like, in fact, that's what many of our current clients had also been looking for, and we were able to help them. Um, I'd be happy to talk with you after the program if you'd like to hear more. So other members of the audience who had similar questions might come to see you at the end of the presentation as well. So it's a good way to use your presentation as a way to generate more customers or clients for your company. So remember that the question and answer sessions are really just another opportunity for us to speak in an impromptu way. So the same rules apply here as what would apply in any other type of impromptu speech. Stories build trust and rapport. Enthusiasm overcomes all faults. If you're trying to inform, then you need to keep your points concise, three, four, five key concepts at the most. And if you need to persuade your audience, then the incident action benefit formula will work superbly. So here are the action items for this chapter. Make a list of five or so possible questions that somebody might ask you about the presentation topic that you're presenting on, and then practice that reminds me of the time that we talked about in the previous session to help you come up with stories or examples for each one of those questions. And when somebody asks you one of these questions, the way that you answer it is just by saying something like, here, let me give you an example. And it will help you create an incident action benefit formula just for that particular question. Final thoughts. One of the most important things to remember about public speaking is that you may never totally eliminate all of your nervousness, but 51% is a winning majority. Your mind is a fantastic hard drive. It's a fantastic computer with, an un, with unlimited space that retains all of your past experiences, past successes, past failures, past perceived failures. But the mind tends to focus a lot on the memories that are most painful. So as you get up to speak, your mind may play videos and recordings in your head from the past. If all you ever focus on are the situations where you have had a perceived failure, then as that negative video plays in your head, the nervousness is going to increase. The only way to change the recordings in your mind from negative experiences to positive experiences, though, is to create more and more positive experiences that crowd out the negative. So as those positive experiences, those successes in front of a group grow and grow, the nervousness and anxiety will diminish. One of the fastest ways, by the way, to increase your confidence in front of a group is to get a good coach, someone who will point out the things that you're doing right, not just the things that you're doing wrong. Uh, whatever you reinforce, you're going to get more of. So if you focus on the minor negatives, you're going to get more of those. If you count ums, you're going to find that over time, your ums will actually increase. If you focus on the positives, if you focus on things like enthusiasm and clarity and conciseness and confidence, then you're going to get more of those things as well. By the way, when we focus on the positive things that we're doing right when we speak, 
just as a side benefit, the ohms will actually diminish significantly as well. In my experience, professional speakers, the ones with fruit on the tree, the ones that have many successes in front of a group, they tend to be the best coaches. And one of the best ways to choose a coach is to see him or her in action. So if the speaker is approachable, is the person likable, is he or she able to create a confident presence in front of a group? Is there trust between that speaker and the audience? And does the feedback that I get from this coach increase my confidence or does it diminish it? These are all questions that you want to ask before you choose a coach. The Fearless Presentations program offered by the Leaders Institute, my company, is a fantastic way to apply all of the tips and techniques that we've talked about in this book under the direction of a positive speaking coach. The two-day program takes participants through a step-by-step process to help them create, organize, and deliver confident, polished presentations. The the program is offered in various locations all over the United States on a public basis throughout the year, and private classes can be organized with this few as five people. So the program can also be tailored to the needs of your group. In fact, in my 20 years as as a speaking coach, I've never seen a faster or easier way to become a confident speaker than with fearless presentations. You'll see your confidence grow literally overnight. You can find information about the class at our website at fearlesspresentations.com, or you can call us toll-free at 1-800-975-6151. By the way, whether you use our programs or you find a coach on your own, remember that the more success that you create in public speaking situations, the more confident that you're going to become You'll, you may never eliminate all those butterflies in your stomach, but with a little practice and some good coaching, you may be able to get those butterflies to fly in formation. Hey, so I hope you really enjoyed this masterclass. Uh, make sure and go back to these sessions over and over again, because this is the type of information that every time you hear it, you're going to pick up some new nugget of wisdom. And it's some, one of those things that you can practice over and over again and get really, really good at becoming a better speaker and presenting your ideas to an audience. Thanks a lot for being a part of the podcast, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.